Welcome to I Need Some Air. Bending. A last airbender fan cast from someone who's seen the show before. And someone who has not. I'm Landon Ferguson. And I'm Michael Williams. We meet our characters just camping in the woods. Sokka's out scavenging for food. When they come across a young man earthbending. And they follow him back to his village as he runs away. And when they get to this village, they find out that the Fire Nation has got this village under their control. They use it for the coal mines to power their ships. So we see where the Fire Nation's getting some of their ability to run their fleet. And they find out that the Fire Nation is taking earthbenders from this village and imprisoning them out at sea where they can't earthbend. Through an incident that uh, has a mind collapse on an old man, Katara talks this young earthbender into saving the old man with his earthbending powers, which gets him caught because the old man tells on him later. So once he gets arrested, Katara feels that it's her responsibility to rescue him and everyone else because she feels it's her fault she made him earthbend. But when we get to the, the ships where they're imprisoned, out at sea where they can't earthbend, Katara finds out that it's going to be harder than she thinks to free them because they're too afraid to fight back at this point. Their spirits have been broken. But through clever planning, they use the coal on the ships to get to the Earthbenders, and Katara gets them started fighting back, and they take the ship and free all the prisoners so they can go back to their individual Earth villages and start fighting back again. Michael, this is one of my favorite episodes. I, I can see why that would be one of your favorites, because I really enjoyed it as well. Shall we end the podcast right there? Yeah, uh... Been yeah. been good talking to you again this week. We'll see you no, next time, guys. No flaws in this episode whatsoever. <laughs> All right, so yeah, let's let's really get into it. All right, so did this did this fulfill your Katara episode once? I I felt it did because I I think I I got a greater sense of who Katara is with yeah. this episode. It's a very good start for her character development. Mm-hmm. I like that we get to see sort of the fire nation doing something in the war now, like what their overall oppression and everything it is like, we've just heard about it and we've really only seen Zuko point of view and like a small piece of a fire nation port, but we haven't really seen them. Like what is the fire nation doing to this world? And that's what we kind of start to see here is they're taking benders away and imprisoning them, and they've found a way to keep earthbenders from bending, which is put them in the middle of the ocean on steel ships. Yeah. Might I also add, like, they mentioned in this episode that part of the reason they're taking over this town, this village, is because they use the coal to run their ships. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they burn the coal to run their ships, which means their ships run on... A source of flame but they're firebenders yes but as we've seen before you you can't consistently bend without running out of energy okay i so thought I, it was i thought it was kind of about the arrogance of firebenders so i could do this by myself but you should do it for me i suppose you could make an argument that that's some of that could be there but no i think it's just a a more efficient way um, to power these huge ships is just to burn coal. They probably use firebenders to ignite the coal and, you know, maybe 
stir it up and get it going, but to just consistently burn, I think it would wear people out too much. Which goes back to that whole, it's just clever in the first place to have it not be this invincible power that anyone can just do forever because then everyone's Superman and then nobody's Superman. Ah, uh, yeah, that that definitely makes sense. How about we get into the new characters that we meet in this episode? Uh, the young man, the young earthbender uh, that we meet is Haru. Yep. We also meet his mother. I don't think we catch her name. At least I did not. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. And then when Haru is captured and then uh, Katara makes the firebenders think that she is an earthbender, so, uh, so she is taken to the, uh, the prisoner ship in the middle of the ocean to find Haru and escape with him. Okay, stop. Meet... Stop. This is one of my favorite parts. and You can't just skip past it. So we're going we're, we're gonna to go ahead and talk about it here. They use the mineshaft air vents. Aang uses air to blowing through the vents to lift a rock so that those Fire Nation guys will think that Katara is earthbending. In the moment of this rock lifting up, Momo is standing behind the rock. <laughs> these Fire Nation dodos are like, oh my gosh. That lemur's earthbending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That I will concede that was a good moment. I did write down the man's response. He said, "That lemur, he's earthbending." <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's it may be easily top ten, maybe top five moments of this entire show. Like it's one of my favorite jokes. <laughs> it's one of the most memorable. It is just completely just way out of left field completely unnecessary why would he think that but just oh my gosh that lemur's earth ending i do not think momo minded at all no and for whatever reason momo just had this pose with his arms up uh, above the rock with the rock above him just being momo you know i, th- I think momo knew what he was doing he's like <laughs> I, i'm gonna grift on him real bad these these fire nation yeah people yeah, Katara and Sokka were so lucky that they got the stupidest grunts in the Fire Nation army. I know, right? Because I even, because just thinking about the whole argument that Sokka and Katara stage, even if I was an oppressive like firebender, I I would move on after like a minute of that conversation because it was not good. <laughs> it was not. It's just like they. They kept, uh, like, Katara would insult Sokka, and she would rise above him, and then Sokka would insult Katara, and he, and she would and he would rise above her, and it's like, they kept going back and forth. And it's just like, just, just earthbend. That's all you need. You don't need context. <laughs> no, really. <laughs> it's not like, it's not like, um, so I, well, we would have turned in this earthbender, but it seems like she has a hard life based on these arguments with her brother. Back to what I was talking about earlier. We meet Tyro, Haru's dad. Oh, we did catch his name, didn't we? I was mm-hmm. just wondering that. And I really like Tyro because he was worn down by his time spent in the prisoner camp. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I can't remember if they specified exactly how long he was in there. I don't think they did. Mm-hmm. But I can assume it's been a good number of years because 
he is definitely the leader of all these prisoners. Like people will look to him. There's a moment where a man comes up to him and says, "Uh, Tyro, they're worried that there's not enough blankets to go around." And Tyro immediately advocates that the elderly be taken care of first, and everyone else will just have to um, help for warmer weather. So I I really did like Tyro, as much as it's painful to see him uh, so broken down and beat down. It, one of the lines he said in that moment really struck me where he, he said, okay, I'll talk to the guards. Like, he had he started to try to make the best of his situation just to get by. Yeah. He, so much so that he's maybe friendly with some of the guards, at least on speaking terms, I guess, enough to barter some items here and there. Yeah, but I, I liked it because... I saw that as he cared more about everyone else more than he did himself. Yeah, and I, that you could you could sense his hesitancy to fight back because other people might get even more hurt mm-hmm. than they already were. Yeah. So that's Tyro, and then we also meet the fire firebender that's in charge of it, and I've taken to calling him the warden because I don't believe that we got another name for him. He might have introduced himself. I missed it, though. I, I don't know. But I have to say, I really liked uh, the Warden. Uh, he... At least I caught him a couple times. He would use a word that I feel is, is not being used enough anymore, and that is fool. Because <laughs> there's a moment where... Um, there's a moment where Aang and Sokka come to the ship on, on Appa, and... They sneak on, and then they send Appa away, and then one of the guards sees Appa. The two guards come to the warden, and one guard says, uh, Sir, it was a flying bison. And the other guard's just like, it, it was a flying buffalo, sir. But uh, we think we think something's, something wrong is going on here. And the warden's just like, well, was it a buffalo or a bison? And um, yeah. the guard's just like, uh, I, I don't think it matters, sir. I, I don't think that's the point. And the warden says, "I'll decide what the point is, fool," and throws him off, the, off the ship, which I yeah. thought was hilarious. Uh, we get another great, great moment where he, he tells the other guy, "Wake up the captain and search the ship." He says, "Uh, that was the captain." Well, wake up someone I haven't thrown overboard. <laughs> this seems to be a running, a running problem with the warden. I imagine there's a ladder down there at this point. It's just like. No, no, I think they're gone. Because I noticed at the end of the episode, here's here's my conspiracy theory for this one. I think he's been throwing so many people off the ship that he was down to a skeleton crew. Because those Earthbenders only take down five Fire Nation guys and throw them overboard. So I think that was all that was left because the Warden just keeps throwing people overboard. I don't, I don't know, man. I'm seeing a <laughs> lot. I remember seeing a lot of people on those really tall walls, and I think what happened is. All those guards up top, like, oh, there's action down there. Let me go get it. And they go down, like, the 82 flights of stairs. <laughs> and by the time they get down there, like, everyone's gone. It's like, oh, I missed it. Like, the warden's overboard. Yeah. God. Also, no name for the warden. Yeah, that's why I'm calling him the warden. At least not in the episode. There may be some extended stuff that I don't know or remember about. but I don't know. I, I like the warden because he's he's villainous, but he's got a sense of fun. Yeah, about him. He he was he's a good villain to to hate, I guess. Like just not even that great great mustache twirling 
type, you know? I would argue, uh, I don't know, I like him a lot more. I think he's just more entertaining to watch. I would say, like, Commander Zhao is more more fun to hate. Real, so, or more easy to hate. Yeah, yeah, for real. I agree with that. I don't know, something about the Warden was he was just the perfect cartoon villain, I guess? Just this... It's like he was having fun being evil. Yep. I have a small character I want to touch on. We we never never learn anything about him, but he definitely was important to the plot here. The old man in the collapsed mine. Mm-hmm. This struck me as it's it was it's very surprising what happens here because Katara and Haru save him and then he immediately goes to the fire nation and turns haru in for earthbending which for i can only imagine some sort of he, he bartered something off of these fire nation guards for this information right it has to be or maybe they agreed not to tax him yeah it's something he got something out of this is the i can is because he saved your life, and then you just immediately turn him in. You're an Earth Nation person yourself. Either... It it just blows my mind that anyone could do that. Yeah. And I was trying to put logic to it, why it would happen. And I yeah. guess either you're scared for the village that he's going to get caught and bring more trouble, or you bartered something off of these Fire Nation guards... Made you struck a deal with them, yeah, to turn him in for your you know own selfish needs. Yeah, that's that's could definitely be it. It also could be the sense of this is one young man. He's not going to do anything. If I yeah. if I keep this a secret, he's not going to save the village. But it's, if, it's, if I turn him in, I can get something immediately out of this. It's just a it's a great example of what a war environment can do to people. I would I would say the that old man is like the opposite of Tyro. Where um Tyro cares more about everyone else. Yeah that old man cared more about himself than everyone else. Yeah. Alright, so let's get to our previous characters. Mm-hmm. Um clearly we saw a lot more of Katara this time around. Yes we did. You said earlier you now know what her character is all about. Do you want to expand on that? Yeah, so I, I I was having a little bit of difficulty trying to figure out what Katara's place in the group was, other than kind of being the mom. But I, I think this episode kind of showcased it a little bit. So we got Aang, who is supposed... Is, in all seriousness, should be the leader of the group. Like, he should be the wise person, but he's immature, and he has a long way to go. And I I feel Sokka's the more more realistic person. Like, he looks at a situation realistically, and then he's a bit more aggressive about it, he's a bit more head-first than anything else. Mm-hmm. Or charge-first before he, he doesn't think ahead that much. Mm-hmm. And I think what this episode showed was that uh, Katara is kind of the idealistic of the group. Like, she's the optimist more than anything else. And I think that even goes back to um, 
like when we first meet her and she's very excited to meet the Avatar and she thinks that helping the Avatar is going to help defeat the Fire Nation and that's more or less her whole purpose. Because, I, correct me if I'm wrong, we haven't heard much about her desire to waterbend these last couple ex episodes. Yeah, it hasn't come up much. So I, I think she's focusing more on the cause and she believes in the cause and that cause is... Uh, helping Aang become the Avatar so that he can help everyone else. And so that's kind of what, that's kind of how I'm seeing her now. She's the, she's the courageous one. She's the optimist one. She's the idealist and she's willing to put herself out there for what she believes in. Well put. Thank you. Uh, something too, uh, which I guess is sort of some, some character trait. This whole show is sort of this, this, road trip help the world in small ways until you finally end the war and we see like you you're traveling with the avatar as he slowly learns his duty and and is helping people and bringing balance to this world and we see in this moment this was all katara like doing something that the avatar is supposed to be doing and it really wasn't even ang it wasn't ang's desire to help these people free these people or whatever it was all katara's idea from the start and her drive to, to get them free. Aang definitely agreed with her, but it wasn't like the Avatar doing his job. Not putting Aang down, it was just nice to see that it doesn't always just have to be the Avatar. Yeah. And it's an example of he's he's better having his friends than if he didn't have them. Yeah. Uh, there was something about this episode that I found kind of odd, and that was... um. Sokka's sense of urgency like when a uh, Katara got captured and he said you got 12 hours all right we'll we'll be back in 12 hours and then they showed up and uh Sokka and Aang was like you're running out of time Katara I was just like, what's the sense of urgency I, here I think it goes back to what he said earlier was he said this place is crawling with fire nation and yeah. he's he's concerned with them finding out that Aang is the avatar it, it that it's that whole thing was it's like right now they at least still have this this air of secrecy when they're traveling because people know the avatar's back but not everybody knows what he looks like or who he is yet so the longer you can keep that under wraps the safer you'll be uh once they discover that the avatar is a small boy He's got tattoos and he's traveling with a flying bison it's all over you know what I mean or a flying so get, buffalo of bison buffalo we will never know oppa's a, bi a bison they say it all the time <laughs> well now one guy has said buffalo and i'm i'm rethinking all my all my thoughts about this i'll decide now. what's important here okay <laughs> but yeah, but, I, just, I just didn't get it because uh, usually when people say that they say we have so much amount of time until they do this like, if he said, we have 12 hours until they scan the whole perimeter, I would have understood. But he just said, we have 12 hours. I think it was just, he, he just wanted to get out of there. Get, so, before the Fire Nation learned any more about the Avatar. Okay. And originally, the plan was just to get Haru and Tyro off the ship. They weren't even doing this to save everyone. But Katara yeah. saw how important it was. Alright. Would you consider wood to be Earth? No. Okay. That's fair. Because I was just thinking about that moment where they're sitting 
on the boat, like Aang, Katara, and Sokka trying to figure out how to, uh, how they can use Earth, how the Earth Earthbirds can use Earth, and they're sitting around all these wooden boxes, and I thought to myself, isn't wood Earth, technically? I guess not. Alright. No. I, it kind of falls in this, uh, like... Like, gray area? Yeah, or, um like this purgatory almost of the elements where it's just sort of not a it's just nothing yeah i mean plants have water in them but they're not water and then they're they're not made of you know i don't know i guess you you could start getting into some weird stuff here because you start thinking like well what is earth if not mostly carbon based and then you start thinking, well, all life form is carbon based. I mean, I'm not, I'm not advocating that we go that far, <laughs> but I'm just saying, the a tree grows out, out of the ground. It, it basically grows out of the earth. But it's a living organism, not, not Earth itself. Okay, I think we should stop now because I feel like we're going to get into another forty minute conversation. Well. About what's earth. You're and not what's wrong not. to you're not wrong to bring it up because it's it's one of those things that I, I've thought about it before. I'm sure other people have thought about it before. And you'll see things later on down the road where you, you see that oh, the show is thinking about this stuff too. Um okay. so yeah, it it's good to go ahead and, and get that out of the way. Wood is not earth. But coal is. But coal is, yes, because it's just a like I said, it's that whole carbon-based thing, man. You start getting into that, and you can really start messing things up. But we'll just have to wait until we get to some some deeper episodes. I mean, doesn't don't metal alloys like form in the earth? Like if you dig deep enough. Yeah. So, would a really good earthbender then be able to bend metal? I like where your head's at, Michael. Okay, I guess we're not going to get an answer on that at this moment. <laughs> God. Like I said, you'll see stuff where, you, where you'll see that the show is also thinking about these things. And they will address different, different parts. Yeah. You know what I felt like in that moment? I felt like one of those dumb jokes where it's a, the woman, it's a girlfriend's thoughts and the boyfriend's thoughts. And the girlfriend says, I bet he's thinking about other women. And the boyfriend's thoughts are, if I clean the vacuum cleaner... Do I become the vacuum cleaner? <laughs> that, yeah. That's why I, I felt don't... like earlier, where I just said something kind of joking, but also kind of makes sense. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Aang takes an incredibly large backseat in this episode. Mm-hmm. He is um, practically hanging on to the bumper with a skateboard at this point. Yeah. I'd say, if anything, maybe maybe we get something out of Sokka this time around. Mm-hmm. I'd say with Sokka, we just, maybe we don't learn it new for the first time, but we do see, like we talked about, more of that that drive to complete the mission they're on. The focus to basically just not get distracted. He, he If they could fly straight to the North Pole without stopping or getting any food or sleep, he would probably do it. Oh, um... Here's one thing I, I think I forgot to mention. We did learn about Katara's necklace. Um, it was her yes. mother's necklace. Now, well, I think we knew that before, didn't we? All right. Well, I did not. So this is a learning experience for me. Okay. 
Maybe uh, I'm just remembering that as a fact. And then Katara, uh, that again, specified, we knew that the Fire Nation killed her mother. This time she says uh, she lost her mother in a Fire Nation raid. Yes. So, so that kind of specifies it a little more. Yeah, and, and we, we you, you sort of, you get this bigger picture that the South Village used to be bigger than it was when we saw it in the first episode. Yeah. And then uh, at the tail end of the episode, or at the very end of the episode, the sad thing that we learn is that Katara's necklace fell off on the ship when, yes. they, when they left. And who finds it but Zuko? Zuko, maybe a day behind them. I don't, I don't know, man. Uh, at least when I remember watching the episode, they're sailing away. And when she discovers the necklace is gone, it cuts back to Zuko but, on the ship already. Yes, I noticed this, but it was broad daylight when she noticed it was gone. It was ah. sunset when Zuko found it. So I took that to mean he's at least 12 hours to maybe a day behind them. Yeah, that's fair. Because ah. actually, you know what? I'd say it's a full day because they freed everyone in the morning because it was nighttime when they were setting up their coal, uh, not trap, but their, their, their coal plan. It was morning or nighttime when that happened, and then it was morning when they got caught and the coal came shooting up out of the air vent. So yeah, Zuko's a day behind them. Half a day. 12 hours roughly then. Yeah, okay. No, you're right, you're right. I didn't mean to get into the specifics, but... Yeah. That's just where, that's where my head Not went. a day and night behind them, just a day. Which, as we all know, thanks to Professor Michael, is 12 hours. Alright, if you really want to get into the terminology... <laughs> this is going to be the subject of my next thesis. Wow. I'm writing multiple about the show. Multiple theses. I think that's All right, it. So, <laughs> let's get into the the world building of this episode. Did you notice anything new this time around? I believe you mentioned this. We learned a little bit more about what kind of control the Fire Nation has over the Yeah, over or the how world. they how they get that control. Yep. In in taking benders away from the area and and even running tax scams like you would see in like a crime show or something. Um, yeah. Basically threat, you know, what is it, the protection racket or something? Is that what it's called? Where you like... I guess so. You, you Extortion? Extortion, yeah, where you say where you pay us for protection, but you're the, the threat in the first place. Because the guy threatens to burn. He says, I'd hate to see this place burn down or something. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, man, with all these illegal taxes, I'm sure they're not filing anything correctly. I'm willing to bet that Lord Ozai gets taken down for tax evasion. <laughs> Just your way, man. It's going to be a tail end of the final episode, and Aang, he's used all of his power, and then he just brings out a tax account. Boy, I don't know about this Avatar show. It's just started teaching me economics. <laughs> it's becoming educational television. You know, Michael, now that you mentioned the economics, I can't watch Avatar the same again. <laughs> so that that's probably it for the world building with this one. We just get a nicer look at, I mean, more Earth Kingdom villages, which, you know, yeah. we, we've seen a lot now. But this one is, you know, we haven't really seen one being oppressed yet. Mm-hmm. Oh, for this, um, where Tyro and Haru went, the prisoner camp, I believe it was, 
it was a ship in the middle of the ocean, mm. and they were using them for slave labor. Did they ever specify what they were building? I th- it looked like they were building ships, but they never specified. Were they working on anything? I didn't notice. There was well, well, when the warden was given the grand tour to the new inmates, which I thought was a little bit funny. It showed them just, like, putting metal sheets onto, like, other metal sheets. Oh, yeah. They might have just had... A... Oh, you know what? They were taken to a shipyard, which means they were probably building more ships. Uh, okay. All right. That makes sense. Right. Yep. I do remember seeing that. So, um, with that... Something... Oh, go ahead. With that, we get a little sense of how they build their ships, that they use slave labor. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, um, you know, I gotta tell you, I'm not really liking these Fire Nation dudes. Oh, no, yeah. They, I was on they, the fence about them, and now it's just like, ah, oh, I, I can't get behind you guys. Yeah, they're they're definitely not afraid to tackle some of the more realistic aspects to conquering the world in this show. It's It, it gets pretty bad for everyone. Alright, I will say, there's a moment here, at least uh, for Aang, where he finally... Where I finally liked where his head was at, where they're they're trying to figure out how to free the prisoners, and he just says, "What if I make a hurricane?" Just, he says, "I wish I could make a hurricane." Uh, okay, uh, but Which, even then, I like where his head's at. So like, yeah, that's that's kind of the yeah. expect. Right when you control the air, this is what you should be doing at this point. It, yeah, and it, it sort of is like a small example of the the limit to bending. Um. Yeah. But I I believe Avatar State Aang might could make a hurricane yep. at this point. He yep. just can't seem to do that at will. Katara, just freeze Aang and the Avatar will come out. Yeah, just punch him in the face. Just punch me in the face. <laughs> yeah. uh, and one thing, I too, I noticed about this episode that I, I, I guess I just kind of forgot or I never really know, paid attention to it before. I'd always remembered this as they were taking the Earthbenders from that one village that Haru was from, but they it, they mention it was multiple villages, which sort of mm-hmm. shows the this this grander reach in that area specifically that the Fire Nation had. Like I always remember this episode as being contained to that one village, but that was a lot yeah. of Earthbenders. Yeah, I know when they they did the transition between the village and Haru's home. Haru's home was in a different location. Mm-hmm. It was on, a, I guess, a hill, we would call yeah, it. Yeah, just outside that little village, but there's obviously must have been more around there. But yeah, just one of those things I didn't really uh, remember about this episode. But it makes total sense that mm-hmm. you you would be able to take over these teeny tiny villages you one at a time rather than tr- taking all these people from one giant village because then you're basically in the city of Omashu or whatever and apparently they haven't gotten to that one yet because maybe it's so big. As for major plot developments this time around, I don't think we really got anything as far as our main goal to get to the North Pole. No. So I wouldn't say we had any developments there. No, I... I think right now uh, they're just doing character studies more mm-hmm. than anything else. Mm-hmm. Or maybe, I guess we could make the case that like these little victories are doing here, and then the Warriors of Kyoshi, like these are like small plot developments that go towards a larger picture. Yeah, little victories 
that are sort of helping shape this, uh, shape the new Avatar. Yeah, yeah. Small plot development, I guess, that is, will move the main story along is we see Zuko has Katara's necklace now. Yes. That's obviously a plot device because if it was just gone forever, we just she would have just lost it and we wouldn't have seen anything of it. Yeah. I wonder... I... I really wonder what's he gonna do with that necklace. It's gonna have to play a factor one way or another, right. as a, as no, a. Uh, no, maybe Katara's name is on it. And I think he know. I think he knows it's Katara's. I have no doubt about that. Ah, uh, yeah, that does make sense. They um, they have met each other. Yeah, I mean, he's okay. specifically tracking the Avatar. He knows she's traveling with him. He's seen the necklace. So yeah, that. All right. Yeah. I that think. All makes I think sense. we're. We, I think we are supposed to know that at this point, that he he knows that necklace, and he'll come up with something to use it for. I'd like to apologize for everyone now, because I completely forgot that Zuko had met Katara, at least, <laughs> at least briefly. It's been a couple episodes since we've seen him. If, I, he wasn't at, if he wasn't at the end of this one, I would say that it, had been too, it would yeah. be too long yeah. for Zuko to be out of the picture. But it was just right, just the right amount of time. To mm-hmm. have him in the end of this one to go, oh yeah, that thing. <laughs> yeah, I I do hope we get a Zuko episode soon, because uh, it's been a little bit. Well, this is actually a good place to go into what you want to see out of the next episode. So, are you wanting to see a Zuko character built episode, or just see him and Iroh in the in the antagonist role again? After the Avatar. I'd like to see a character build for uh, Zuko. Like, if we could get an episode like this where like Aang and Katara and Sokka only appear in like the tail end. Mm-hmm. And it's mostly all about Zuko and Iroh. I would really... I think I would really enjoy that. I need, I need more Iroh. Yeah. Alright, so is there anything else that we need to discuss? Unless we really want to debate... A flying buffalo versus a flying bison. I really don't. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm I'm very satisfied with this episode. It's it is one of my favorites. It really is. It, it's it stands out as one of the most memorable. Great character moments. Great example of what war can do to people. Mm-hmm. Great use of the word fool. Great use of the word fool. Uh, Cole, right. Cole got a spotlight. We don't see enough of Cole anymore. Yeah, it opens up a can of worms, probably for bending styles. Yeah. Okay, so friction causes heat, right? Yes. Eventually, it'll cause flame. Can the firebenders use friction? I don't see how that's an element to bend. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, that's going to do it for us this week. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed yourselves. Join us next time when we discuss the Water Solstice Part 1, The Spirit World. I'm Landon Ferguson. And I'm Michael Williams.